0: This is an ABC podcast. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Shea Cup on the Hack Podcast. I'm Dave Marchese. It's been another busy week full of news, hasn't it? But it's time to kick back, gear up for a big weekend, a few days off, a bit of a dive into some of the stories that got you talking. We've got World Cup controversies, superstitions, oversharing... Definitely something in here for everyone.
1: Hack. You know, for now it's it's still business. We've got two more games and we want to do the best we can and try and win those
2: games. I got a belly button piercing (laughs) as a as like a little fun little thing uh to I guess celebrate a new beginning of my life.
0: Don't step on a crack or
2: you fall and break your back. On Triple J.
0: Yeah, obviously not a shake-up without a decent shake-up crew, and I've got a couple of brilliant minds with us to help make sense of all of this stuff. Time to meet them. First, let's go to Matilda Bosley. You know her from TikTok, from Guardian Australia. Hey, Matilda.
2: Hello.
0: Hello. What's happening?
2: Oh, you know, just getting through the week, watching all the soccer I can and pretending I know the rules. (laughs)
0: That's true. Everyone's a World Cup expert when it comes to when it comes to this time of the World Cup period, but we actually do have a World Cup expert with us right now and shake up for the first time. He hosts World Cup daily every day on SBS. Claudio Fabiano, welcome. Fantastic pronunciation from
1: you as well. Oh, I must, yeah, have
0: to say, but yeah. Thanks for having
1: me, mate. It's a pleasure
0: to be here. Nah, Davide got Claudio Fabiano. We, <laughs> we did it
1: okay. Um, busy time for you, no doubt. Yeah, very, very, very busy, but similar to Matilda, you know? I just watch a lot of football and act like I know what I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> you know, we're going to talk
0: about the World Cup right now, actually, because no other stories have been getting people talking around the world like this
1: one. Hack. Story to score at a World Cup against the, the reigning World Cup champions is uh, a moment I'll remember for the rest of my life. On Triple J.
0: You know, if you're a football fan, it doesn't get bigger than this. You wait years to see your team battle it out, praying they're going to be crowned the world's best. But this World Cup is different to the others because there's almost been more attention on what's happening off the pitch than on it. And in the last few days, there've been some moments it's going to be hard to forget.
1: Today I feel Arab. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel disabled. Today I feel... uh, A migrant worker. Now, before the game, none of the Iran players sang the national anthem of the Islamic Republic of Iran. It was supposed to be a show of solidarity
0: for the LGBTQ plus community, a message of anti-discrimination.
2: Wear the armband. Stand up. Uh, Obviously, leadership is about action. Go and do it.
0: FIFA weren't happy with this, and they were prepared to go nuclear, and they made it clear that there would be sporting sanctions if any captain walked out onto the pitch wearing that armband. On Triple J. Yeah, what do you think? Are you mad for football? Are you happy to see players and others standing up for human rights? Maybe you're embarrassed by FIFA and how they've handled this situation. Or you think this is politicizing sport, you're not about it at all. Call in, I want to hear from you. one 55 36 You can message in as well. 0439-757-55. Gotta ask our shake-up crew. We've got Claudio Fabiano from World Cup Daily on SBS and Matilda Bosley from Guardian Australia. Claudio, I've got to start with
1: you. Mm-hmm. How's it been covering the World Cup with all this other stuff going on around it? Oh, look, it's been there's been a lot of positives, I think, and uh, it's been it's been an amazing experience to cover the World Cup because my my show especially is it's it's a football show, it's every day, it's it's all the headlines, and there's been many of them already. Yeah. As you mentioned, it, it has it's been a little bit different to some degree, but you said you know a tournament like no other. I don't know. I think, I think back to a lot of other tournaments, you know, Euro 2020 I worked on last year as well. That, that had a lot of controversies because it was in some countries that had different rules to others as well. We remember the whole uh, rainbow light up stadiums as yep. well during the Euro. Tokyo Olympics had its controversy. Russia 2018 World Cup had its controversy. There's a lot of tournaments coming up as well after this that do too. So I think it, it's kind of part of it. Can you separate politics from sport? Some people say in an ideal world you can. I don't think you can. It's so massive. It's a great platform for these athletes that you know, voice their opinion. Yeah. Um, so it is. It is a tricky one. But for me, the experience has been amazing so
0: far. Maybe it is a thing that, like we have, as you say, seen protests and you know boycotts and other stuff happen at other sporting events around the world. But mm. we're just seeing more of it now. And it yeah. depends on what's happening in the world. Like you yeah. know, we're seeing stuff uh, in solidarity with Iran. There's stuff mm. going on in Iran at the moment. Mm. Uh, we've got Matilda. Matilda, what do you think? Are you into the World Cup?
2: look I am sort of begrudgingly into the World Cup from what I um, am forced to to see from my partner being extremely <laughs> into the world Cup um, as often is the way late I, nights
0: or early mornings
2: uh you know there's it's it's a, a pretty ungodly the amount of um hours he's waking up but um yeah look I think there's this question about you know ultimately is it a benefit that we're drawing more attention to things like this uh you know in the lead up to the world cup you have got uh you know Qatar making very tangible rule changes but then uh you know obviously there's a question about whether they should have had it in the first time um in the first place but i think I don't know if, if there's any positives that come out of this, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say positives when you consider some of the conditions that workers have been in. It's that at least we are now having a larger conversation about these work practices and, you know, um, about uh, what's going on generally in the Gulf, I think, when it comes to especially the construction industry.
0: So, Matilda, what did you make of FIFA boss Johnny Infantino's weird speech that he felt gay, disabled, a migrant worker? Got a lot of headlines.
2: Yeah, it's funny cuz I sometimes sit down and go what's the worst possible thing someone could say right now? <laughs> um <laughs> uh he it's just a I mean it's a bit of a, a meme, right? Like he he says the most possible tone deaf thing you can think of and does it just uh you know joyously. Uh and I think, you know, if you're looking for a face to blame for this i think you know he's not doing himself any service by putting himself in the spot like 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 that i think often sort of corporate you know, questionable behaviour and mis- misdeeds and stuff is often very uh, faceless. But we we have a face and he's, you know, red-headed and gay and disabled and a migrant worker and Qatari and, and all the rest of the things. We know a lot about him now.
0: <laughs> we do know a lot about him. Um, Claudio, yeah, we had the controversy as well with the One Love armbands, mm. FIFA banned players from wearing them. It hasn't stopped heaps of, you know, people wearing them in protests, including mm. a German politician while she was yeah. sitting next to Gianni Infantino. Yeah. Do you reckon FIFA has
1: underestimated the reaction this ban would have? Um, probably, yeah, they probably have. It's a it's a tricky situation, I'm sure, and you can only imagine what it would be like behind there because when there were so many changes in the leadership team at FIFA from when they gave the World Cup to Qatar and that decision was made and now even, like, Gianni Infantino has come in to this position in the last few years since taking over from Set Blatter. And so I can only imagine how difficult it would be when you're tied into a lot of decisions that maybe were made before you. You've signed contracts to go to a country which has very strict laws on things like that. So that I, I can only imagine what it would be like balancing all that. The armbands was an interesting one. They came out and they took a, they've, they've taken stances on players before, but for mm. this, it was actually going to be a football specific. Thing. It wasn't just going to be a fine that they send to you or a slap on the wrist. It was actually a yellow card, which in you know, a World Cup is a massive deal. Right. You get two of them in separate games, you miss a whole game. So the players got scared and, and you know, Harry Kane was criticized as well, England's captain, for not wearing it. You can understand the players. Like, I, I feel for the players because I don't think it should be necessarily the player's point of view to risk their World Cup, which is something they work all their lives for. To, to have to make a political statement. So I do feel for the players in that situation and I just I just hope that the media can separate the players from that problem. We've
0: got a lot of messages. I, oh, go well, Matilda. I was,
2: I was just going to say I'd almost challenge on that, which mm-hmm. is that these players have made a statement, they've come out, they've received a lot of uh, praise for saying this is what we're going to do, this is the statement we're going to make. However, we're not willing to risk one game of the World Cup. And I know that maybe, you know, from if you're totally engrossed in the world of soccer, that feels like a lot. Mm. That's one yellow card feels like not a massive, unbelievable price to pay for Mm. something that you purported to care, you know, so deeply about and did a lot of media around how deeply you cared about it. So Mm. I think there is some justifiable, you know, uh, upset, you know, people being upset with Mm. players for, for caving in that way, or caving is too harsh a word, but for not going through with it. I mean, mm-hmm. Claudio,
0: you would understand kind of the thoughts going through players' minds in the sense that they've worked their whole lives for this kind of opportunity, right?
1: Well, they say it takes ten thousand hours for you to become a professional player, and then on top of that, you need a whole lot of luck, and you need to be at the top of your game to get selected in the top twenty-six players of your country. And then you, you got to think what the what the pressure is from the management. Maybe you know what's your manager going to say if you're willing to go out there and get a yellow card and maybe miss a game and cost your team? Maybe you lose your spot in the team. I think these players is they, they work all their lives, they dedicate their entire lives to play football, um, not expecting that they're going to be on the world stage and have to make political decisions, as well as everything else and all the pressure on every single time they touch the ball. So I, I I don't think it's their position to make political statements.
0: We've got a lot of messages coming through on this one. Someone says, got to leave the politics to those elected. They get paid to play football, leave mm-hmm. it off the pitch. Same as uh, cricket bagging the sponsors. Another person, Georgia, says, I'm no soccer fan, but I don't see how people can get excited about an event that costs literally thousands of lives. Someone else, Qatar should never be able to host the World Cup, plain and simple. It's a complete shit show. That's one person's opinion. Mm. And another person says, we want our sports people to be good role models, so why can't we hold their organisations and the countries they operate out of to the same standard? I want to go to a caller now. Gerard is on the line. Hey, Gerard, what's your opinion of what's happening at the World Cup? Um, well, yeah,
2: first off, i, I just feel that politics should be kept out of sport. Um, FIFA has been pretty big
1: on this in the past, and obviously why they've taken the stand. Um, but I don't, just don't get why um, we're making all these... Uh, oh, start we're, we're talking about another country's laws. Where When people come to Australia, we expect them to abide by our laws. So I, 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 I get it, like uh, like yeah. love is love all that stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not against it. Um, but when it comes to another country's laws.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, Gerard. And we've got some other messages coming through on the text line that are kind of, you know, reflecting what you're saying as well. It's not just the armbands. though. There's all Mm. sorts of other stuff that's happening, like the beer ban as well. Um, You know, beer was going to be sold outside the stadiums before and after kickoff, but Qatar later backflipped just hours before the World Cup started Mm. and banned it outright. It's a strict Muslim country. Yeah. Alcohol is not a big part of its culture. Do right. you think that this outrage over the beer ban is justified?
1: Claudio? Ah uh, look. I mean, I, I went to twenty eighteen as a fan, the World Cup in Russia, and I barely remember half the games because I was sinking that many beers because you got these awesome cups, the light up cups at every <laughs> game as well. So I do love a beer at a football match. But similar to what Gerard was just saying, you know, you, you, you kind of do expect you're going to a Muslim country. I think there's a difference between human right and drinking beer. As much as I love a beer, well, I'm, I'm having one right now, right? I don't think, it's not a human right necessarily mm. for you to go to a Muslim country and drink beer in a stadium. And that's from someone that loves a beer with every game I go to. <laughs> um, I don't think that's so much of an issue. The other stuff definitely is is, is something we need to talk about and we need to raise and, and people, but the beer thing, Coming from someone who loves a beer, I don't think it's the end of the world. As Gerard said, it's a Muslim country. They've got their own laws on that and I think it's fine.
0: Matilda, do you think that this is a big moment for FIFA and football more broadly? Do you think there's going to be some major changes we see come out of this World Cup or do you think that people are just going to, you know, forget and move on and that's going to be the end of it?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, i it's not that uh, – I don't think uh, FIFA's track record really – I mean, this is not the first controversy they've got into – really imbues me with hope. I think what I hope – I mean, personally, hope comes out of this is is that idea that we've said several times, this idea of politics, you know, don't take it out onto the field – Holding an international event, picking what country you're going to, negotiating with governments to pick which country it's going to be said is an inherently political act. There's no such thing as, you know, leaving politics off the field in an event like the World Cup, especially when you're picking a country like Qatar. I think we've seen a huge amount of, you know, people saying that it's not great, people, you know, being upset with this. I don't think that that's really translated into much... Uh, you know, uh, tangible actions. I mean, obviously in Australia it's complicated somewhat. It's not like we're paying for a streaming service, an additional streaming service to watch the World Cup. It's it's on, you know, SBS. People can access it without sort of uh, contributing financially. So I think there's a bit of a different question when it comes to, like, how effective would a boycott of watching be? But ultimately I think the attitude that uh, I've really observed is like, ah. Oh. That's not great that six thousand people die, but like the Socceroos, you know. I think we it's it's really testing how much people, you know, how much we can purport to care about people's basic human rights. Um, and you know, I, I think. Uh, a lot of people are, are disappointed by, you know, the somewhat tepid response of like, oh, that's not great, but like obviously I'm going to watch the soccer.
1: But just on that one, Matilda, though, what I wanted to say is like if you if a country, if a country that is hosting an event like this does have issues when it comes to human rights issues and, and problems with migrant worker conditions, don't you think that, that hosting a major event like this and inviting millions of people to come to your country could potentially clean up the act in that area of the world? Like Qatar now... Uh, they've become the first country in the Gulf region to have an international labor organization because they were awarded this World Cup. And there's no doubt there's terrible things happening in many countries around the world. But don't you think by inviting the spotlight on yourself, it's going to be an opportunity for you to change some of those things?
2: Well, I mean, I would uh, question exactly how effective the labour organisation has been. And while there has been rule changes, there's still, you know, uh, questions around how much that's being enforced. Okay. I do genuinely think there is that good that comes out of that. We have seen those law changes. We have seen this. I think also countries like Qatar, perhaps more than, you know, the good will come out of it, I think countries like Qatar will question whether they want to be put in this spotlight. Because if you think about where Qatar was politically, you know, it it wasn't Saudi Arabia, right? It was it was the Kind of, oh, we're just in the background where you know, quiet. We're like very, very rich, but we're not just going to talk about it too much. We've got very good relations with the US. Suddenly, everyone in the world is talking about uh, the LGBT issues within the country. Everyone in the world is talking about the labor rights issues in a way that they aren't talking about other countries with similar laws. So. Even more so, um, I I genuinely do see their potential for positives coming out of this, but I think it may come out of, uh, potentially it could just have uh, the other effect of, you know, uh, countries just not willing to put themselves in that spotlight in the first place. Look,
0: I guess this is the issue with global sport, right? A global sport like football, which is... Gl- completely global, right? Yeah. Loved in all countries of the world. Yeah. And, you know, we get to this question. It's like, well, if there are countries with, um, you know, issues with human rights, does that mean all of those countries never host anything? Do we say China <laughs> can never host any sporting matches? Put it on the moon. Um, Russia? It on the moon well, the one, I mean, it, it raises a really <laughs> important question. And so lots of people are commenting on this. We've got someone saying FIFA have more power than the UN. They should do better. Another person, Carl, says, I think they achieved the goal without wearing the armband because guess what? We're talking about it now Carly's right we mm-hmm. are talking about it yep. Georgia says people concerned about respecting other countries laws only when those laws aren't violating their personal human rights and somebody else says no country hosting the World Cup should have power of the actual rules of the game such as the yellow card FIFA needs to get their act together and to stop taking bribes Claudio despite mm. all of the controversies mm. some incredible games and results yeah. already what yeah.
1: have been some of the highlights for you oh it's been it's been amazing and, and just before I actually touch on the games one thing I have to say that sometimes gets over looked in all this is how amazing it is to have a World Cup in that part of the world, right? Finally in an Arab country. And what that means is we're seeing some beautiful traditions come to light as well. The music's been amazing. The scenes, the the the, the culture's come to, to life in an area of the world that's never really been considered football. You think football up until 20 years ago, you thought Europe, South America, then they've put the first World Cup in Asia, the first World Cup in Africa, and the first World Cup in, in, the, in an Arab country. And now we're experiencing that. So that's been a highlight for me. Um, but on top of that, on the field, it's probably the upsets. Argentina lose. Japan beat Germany. That that has to be the highlight so All far. We had an incredible stuff, right? goal this morning too from Brazil.
0: What are you expecting? Will be the big moments coming forward?
1: I want to yeah. say Australia. <laughs> I, I want to say Australia. Uh, am I super confident? Uh, I don't know about that. But I think I still think um, the most exciting thing is that you're seeing so many legends in their last World Cup, right? So you got to you have to tune in. You know, I'm sorry, Matilda, you, your partner has to wake up at stupid o'clock and wake you up too <laughs> because it's the last time we're going to see Messi, Ronaldo, Luka Modric, so many superstars, and even cult heroes like Ochoa, Mexico's goalkeeper. There's there's cult figures in every country that are playing for their last World Cup. So that's the best part for me.
0: All right. Some more messages coming through. Someone says, FIFA is all about showing me the money. This has nothing to do with spreading the world game to the Middle East. And another person talking about which countries should be able to host sporting events. Someone says, does that mean Australia shouldn't? Look at our history on human rights issues. All right, time to move on. Hack. I was raised to say God bless you. What does it mean anyway, God bless you? Stupid superstition. <laughs> on Triple J. J. Yeah, this is kind of related because this week as we were talking about sport in the hack team, we got onto superstitions and traditions. Like one of our crew here said they can never watch their favourite footy team play because every time they do watch them, the team loses. And then we started hearing from other people. Our producer, Sturge, he said every time he gets on a plane, he's got to touch the outside of the plane before he gets on for good luck because he's worried it's going to crash otherwise. <laughs> Why do we do this stuff? I want to know, what are the silliest superstitions you've got? Are you a superstitious person, not just for sport but across the board? Do you have a habit that you know is pretty stupid but you just can't break it? Let us know. You can call in one 300 55 Message in as well, 439 On the Shake-Up panel today, Matilda Bosley from Guardian Australia, Claudio Fabiano from World Cup Daily on SBS. Matilda, am I right to think you've got a black cat, right?
2: I do. And I've had to really let go of the superstition uh, train because that cat does not care about my personal space (laughs) or boundaries at all. There is nothing stopping him from crossing my path.
0: Yeah, exactly. Are you a pretty superstitious person generally?
2: Uh, no, I do. I, I, I share uh, your producer Serge's um, superstition about touching the plane. Really? As I get in, yeah. So in in my mind, I thought minded, that I-
0: was so weird when we were like going around the country to do the election earlier this year. Every time we got on the plane, he was like touching it and reaching out. He's like, "Oh, got to do it! I got to do it!" I was like, "Serge, stop it! Please stop it!" Um, so you're you're into that as well? Okay.
2: Yeah, but I'm not 100% sure it's superstition or if I just like never went through like a really teenage rebellious stage and just like all throughout my life I was like, <laughs> I'm doing something naughty, touching the plane. And it's not naughty now that I say it out loud on radio but um, I think that might be more my motivation.
0: Okay. Claudio, as a football fanatic, you must have some weird habits, surely. Oh, yeah.
1: I think every, everyone that's played football as well has some weird ones like which sock you put on first, depending on how you played in your last game. If you played well, you make sure you put your socks on in the same order. I used to do stupid things like that. Actually, Black Cats, you know, if I'm I'm driving the car and a black cat crosses the road I'm taking I'm hitting the left or right and I'm going around the block <laughs> well you got I'll... the you got the double thing because you're a sports fanatic but also Italian and Italians oh, are
0: very superstitious it's, it's like right? I learn
1: a new one every week uh, <laughs> there's, there's ones I didn't know about I try not to be superstitious then my mum tells me another one my nonna tells me another one and you can't drop
0: any to... salt you can't waste any olive oil exactly. it all means bad stuff exactly, we've got exactly. some messages coming through someone says if you see a crow it's bad luck until you see two crows mm. and someone else says I'm only a little stitious I' Person says, at the start of every football soccer season, I'll wash my shin pads and only wash them if I lose. So if I win seven games, those bad boys, they'd be pretty smelly. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound good. You know, interesting stuff. There's so much research into this. Like, apparently, heaps of airlines and airports don't have a 13th aisle or a 13th mm-hmm. gate. More than 80% of high rise buildings in the world don't have a 13th floor. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon, Matilda, this makes you feel better or worse or do we need to start embracing some of this stuff to kill the superstition?
2: Look, as a Swifty, I can't abide by anyone (laughs) removing the number 13 from anything. Um, No, uh, I mean, like, I think it's fun, right? Like, actually... You know what? I've changed. I've I've done a U-turn mid uh, sentence because there oh, are. Wow, actually... that was
0: very quick, Mazilda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look at look at it. Look at me go.
2: Um, uh, there are some statistics around the amount of animal abuse that black cats face, specifically on Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Um, I cannot actually recall what they are or how legitimate they are, really. But I I'm aware that it's a bit of a phenomenon. So <laughs> we'll get rid of the black cat one. The rest, kind of fun. I don't know. It just I think anything that adds just a little bit of whimsy or mystery or you know the is I still believe in Father Christmas vibes to everyday (laughs) life I love it that is some
0: some wild stuff coming (laughs) through right now someone says hey ex-flight attendant here I always used to wipe a booger on the outside of the aircraft next to the door not for luck or anything just because it always amazed me how many of the boogers stayed (laughs) attached (laughs) What? What? keep me nameless thanks yeah we will another person says I've been a for 23 years, I'll not walk under a ladder. Bloody silly, but they haven't come off yet. Another person, I need to get out of the same side of the bed every morning. If I don't, I will have a bad day and keithy says superstition is just humans seeing patterns that aren't there. Well they've actually done all this scientific research into it right? right? Because the fascinating thing about superstitions is that we often believe in them despite knowing on some level that they can't be true. Mm. We know that but mm. we still do it. And apparently it can help relieve anxiety. Yeah. So for instance if you go into an exam and you've got a lucky charm, mm. you're
1: like oh no I'm going to be I'm going to be sweet. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? I think 100% that that's definitely a thing like you know the Italians are wear the corner on the oh. keys. Like <laughs> I have big one. I have one on my keys you know what i mean my mom's you make sure you got it on your keys a lot of people are looking at you today on tv it's like all right yeah yeah no worries i got it mom keep the malocchio away also. Maloc exactly. <laughs> also
0: have to wear the red underwear that's another yeah. big one
1: <laughs> um so you reckon it, yeah it can improve yeah performance. because you know all those little things like at the end of the day like when you, in anything you're doing that's high performance that's why i think athletes are, are very superstitious because anything high performance then your mental game if it's on point if you're going into it you're feeling at ease mentally then anything that can help i, I think it's it's good you should We've got some more messages coming through. Someone says, can't leave the radio
0: on volume 13 while I drive in case I crash. Another person says, if someone says touch wood but I'm not close or there's no real wood around, I touch my thumb to my forehead. It was taught to me as a child and I have no idea where it came from. And another person, Amber, says, I'm not religious at all but I'll do a little hand cross over heart when an ambulance passes. I reckon it helps. Some interesting stuff coming through. Everyone wants to talk about it. We m- might just have to quickly move on though.
2: Hack! Everyone's taking their lead from the celebrities. One of the Kardashians oh. had that TV show where they'd go away after they'd been dumped and come back looking amazing <laughs> and living an amazing life. On Triple J.
0: Yeah, quick one here. We've all seen it. The big dramatic post on Instagram announcing a relationship is over. Hard launching breakups, they're calling it. (laughs) Used to be just celebrities. But now so many of you are getting around it. So what's the verdict? Is it an important step in the healing process for young people? Or just cringe oversharing? Because we had a big response on the Triple J text line when we covered this story earlier in the week. If you've done it, I want to hear why do you do it? Do you do it just for attention? <laughs> Let me know. Oh, <laughs> probably not going to tell me that. Oh four three nine seven five seven triple five. Let's get to our Shake Up crew for a quick hit on this one. Claudio, public yep. breakup announcements. You ever done it?
1: Absolutely not. Oh,
0: here you uh, go. No, no, I haven't. I haven't. But
1: you know what? You know what? Me and my mate, we, we, we have a tendency of sending each other when we think a girl has broken up with a boyfriend because you can, you can tell. You can just tell in the most recent post. We'll send it and I'll be like, hey, VAR, check this one. But I'm pretty sure she's broken up. And then we'll just monitor it. Yeah, you were right or yep, you were wrong. Yeah, yep. yeah. We, Matilda, we what are your thoughts on this one?
2: look, call me old fashioned, call me a <laughs> boomer, but boomer. I, uh, uh, excuse me, um, but I'm a traditionalist. I say you just archive all the photos of them together and post a f- thirst trap. It worked for generations before <laughs> us. I don't see why we're having to mix it all up now.
0: Yeah, it's true. You know what? Like everyone's making out like this is a huge new thing about people being really public about breakups and all that sort of stuff. Like, oh, this is taking over. There's all these articles being written about it. But you know, in the day, like 10 years ago, people were changing their Facebook status from like in a relationship To it's complicated. So people have been (laughs) doing it for quite a while, right? If you see, Claudia, or someone's done a big post like this, yeah. like a friend, and it's it's actually more awkward when it's not a friend, when it's someone who's like a loose acquaintance, a mm. colleague or something. Mm. Do you feel obliged to, like, publicly comment and, you know, say Slay? something? Slay, yeah. go on.
1: <laughs> like, yes, queen. No, I don't, I don't, I don't. I personally don't. I, I don't think it's, uh, like, but I'm, I'm also not a huge fan of the oversharing of, of your private life in any way. Like, when you are in a relationship, like, definitely, you're at an event together, you chuck a photo up, mm. but that constant, like, bombardment in the stories of look at how cute we are and how good we are together. Like, I personally don't love that. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that. I think keep private, private, keep public, public, okay. personally. But, yeah.
0: Pretty clear line there. we have got some people on the text line. Someone says, my ex got mad at me for even just telling my friends we broke up. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I'm sure, uh, surely that was going to come out anyway. And someone else says, God, can't you just post passive-aggressive breakup memes like the millennials? Yeah, someone saying that that's the way to go, of course. I don't know. Um, do you reckon, Matilda, that you should have to give the ex, like, um, you know, a heads up if you're going to do something like that, that you should have their permission before you go on a full-on post about what happened and why everything went wrong?
2: Oh, I mean, I, I think it would be it would be nice. Um, you know, pr- perhaps I'm, uh, you know, I don't think there's ever been a relationship where I would not do that for, for, for someone. I, I can't imagine uh, that would be particularly pleasant. Although, you know, if they are just a real piece of work, maybe it's what cathartically needs to be done. Um, I would advise, though, that Australia's uh, libel and slander laws are very strict. Um, oh,
0: here's the journalist coming out, Tell us, Matilda.
2: Yeah, I would just, I'd, well, if you've got a big following, I'd be careful. Um, well, but, you know, I, I, maybe I maybe my goal is to one day be important enough that I could justify a break. As I'm saying this, I'm realising that I'm, I'm <laughs> suggesting that I will have a breakup. I love my partner very dearly. The World Cup wake-ups has not changed that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this but, would, you know, that's that's a level
0: of fame. This would be a very like awful way to do it if you are going to break up. Yeah, like, let's yeah. hope that wasn't, you know, what it was.
1: No, no <laughs> not here on the radio. No, mate.
0: not here on the uh, radio. But, yeah, we no, did hear I'm... from a legal expert earlier this week who said, yeah, you can have some consequences in the courtroom if yeah. something happens or, you know, if someone feels like you've defamed them or whatever. There's evidence there. Yeah. I don't know. I, there's, there's a part of me... I think it's pretty cringe. There's a part of me that does like knowing when something's happened though so I don't put my foot in it. When I see one of these people that maybe I don't know too well, I'm not close with, I'm like, oh, okay, something's happened. I'm not going to say something wrong. Guys, that's it. We're out of time. We're out of time. That flew by, says Claudio Fabiana. Of course it did. It did. Thank you
1: so much. Your first shake-up, how'd it go? Oh, awesome, mate. It was great chat. Thanks so much. Nice to meet you as well, Matilda.
2: Thank you so much. i better go um, just make sure my relationship's
0: okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, can you check that out and get back to us, please? Until yeah, i you.
2: Oh, the black cat walked in my path this morning. It's all been downhill since Oh,
0: now. no. Oh, no. Also, a huge shout-out to the hard-working hack team. And in particular, a very special member of the team is leaving us today after being a part of our family forever, James Pertil has been part of Hack since 2015 and he's broken some really big stories all over the country in his time. There's no doubt you've read and listened to so much of James's work. We're going to miss Jimmy. He's been a huge part of the Hack family. James, thank you so much, mate. We love you. We're going to miss you. We know you're onto some big things next. Thank you. Hack on Triple J. And that's all we've got time for on the Shake Up and the Hack podcast for this week. I'll catch you next time.